Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung termed shame the swampland of the soul. The topic of shame is uncomfortable, far from glitzy, and not overly popular at the dinner table. But these conversations need to transpire. This morning, I invite you to join me on a spiritual journey as we trek through the swamps. Brene Brown has made a study of shame and defines it as the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something we've experienced, done, or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. She elaborates, I think the fear of disconnection can make us dangerous. Distinct from one another, shame and guilt are emotional cousins. Guilt involves the awareness of having actually done something wrong. It arises as an indirect result of our actions, and interestingly enough, even from fantasies of actions. Guilt causes feelings of remorse, and at times motivates behavior to choose differently. Shame is a painful feeling about how we appear to others and to ourselves, and doesn't necessarily depend on our having done anything at all. Shame causes feelings of being small and of being worthless. In his paper, A Theory of Human Motivation, written in 1943, Abraham Maslow assigned the need for love and belonging as critical among all human needs. The only needs ranked higher included the need for safety and shelter and food and water. Satisfying these more intangible needs is a prerequisite to the development of self-esteem and confidence, which in turn is necessary to meeting one's potential. We are hardwired to belong, and when this need is not met, functioning is hindered. It's no surprise that shame is highly correlated with self-destructive behaviors, including violence, addiction, depression, aggression, bullying, eating disorders, and suicide. The Jason Foundation was named in memory of Jason Flatt, who took his own life at the young age of 16. The group has worked tirelessly to build awareness and support around those at risk and the families impacted by suicide. Through their work, the foundation has discovered that nationwide, more teenagers and adults die from suicide than from cancer, heart disease, AIDS, birth defects, stroke, 
pneumonia, influenza, and chronic lung disease combined. In Massachusetts, suicide is the second highest leading cause of death for people ages 15 through 34. There are not nearly enough funds, resources, or conversations dedicated to treating this epidemic. We need to start talking about shame. And these conversations start with ourselves. Self-shaming is all too prevalent. Like many things we do, it occurs habitually without second thought. But would you ever speak to someone you love the way you speak to yourself? You're not good enough. If only you were smarter. You should make more money. Shame on you. Of course they don't love you. You're not deserving of a raise. You're too thin. Shame on you. You're too heavy, too short, the wrong size, shape, or color. You can't. Shame on you. You're wrong. You don't fit. Why would you think you could do that? These are just a few of the many ways we all say to ourselves, shame on you. Shame thrives in environments of secrecy and judgment, but it cannot exist in places where love, acceptance, and empathy are cultivated. I urge you to facilitate internal conversations in a way that forgives, that seeks understanding, and that is compassionate. When we struggle, fall, or feel less than adequate, can we remind ourselves to do the best we can with the resources we have and to keep moving forward? Let's remind ourselves, you are worthy and you got this. When practiced internally, this voice becomes more natural to apply externally, even in the most challenging places. After all, you cannot sustainably give a resource to someone that you don't have for yourself. If we don't harness our own inner voices to shame less and love more, we can't possibly do so for others. As Brene Brown stated, the fear of disconnection can make us dangerous. Fear that without connecting to join the masses, you may become the next subject. Fear that if you don't take a loud stand against someone or something, you will be assumed to align with it. Fear that the only way to be viewed as large is to make another appear small. As a high school director of athletics, I often talk with my students about the concept of being a good teammate. I challenge them to think whether or not delegating the task of carrying equipment or giving privileges to veteran players is truly the mark of a strong team. On a strong team, there is pride in doing the small stuff, such as putting away equipment after a game or practice, because you are contributing to your team. On a strong team, when a teammate struggles, you don't scorn at them or suddenly stop competing. You encourage them to push and pull harder and carry the load while they can't. On a strong team, there isn't fear of failure. There is safety in taking risks, acceptance of the varying strengths each person possesses. 
on a strong team, we know a bad game doesn't define a person's abilities, their season, or their character. And on a strong team, you seek to build everyone up around you, knowing that together, we are all stronger. While it is so easy for these athletes to conceptualize this on the field, I see the real struggles and challenges faced off the field. Maslow's study in 1943 that concluded we are biologically wired to belong was well before the days of wireless internet, instant communication, numerous social media platforms, and a seeming obsession in our country with the failures, missteps, analysis, and judgment of others. Scandals sell, but the cost of shame is high. The media teaches that success is when others carry the equipment, teaches that pointing out the weakness of others may earn us more playing time, teaches us to use the failures or struggles of others as a personal means to succeed. We need to shift these teachings. We can all be better teammates. Admittedly, I grew up in a bubble that left little exposure to different and I was unaware of the impact of a lens that saw manufactured cutouts of either right or wrong. Our own human tendencies to categorize offers a way of making sense of the world. But as I navigated through life in my bubble, I learned to compare mine to others. If they aligned, we were right. If they were different, they must be wrong. Because if not, that would mean I was wrong. As my bubble and world began to expand, I realized that it's not categorized as good or bad, but rather different. And different doesn't come with a hierarchy or a label. Different is simply preference and choice. When I found myself on the outside of my own bubble, I felt deeply the impact of shame. A baby out of the conventional mold that my world accepted I fell in love in a way not to the norm. The headline was enticing and addicting, but the reality was unknown. We were shamed, judged, ridiculed. Shame that led me to question if I was a good person, a good mother, and led me to a resolve to prove that I was in the wrong bubble. Did I shame my family, the people I loved most? Shame that instilled a doubt as to what I could achieve or, or if I had in fact earned my own achievements. Shame that led me to wonder if I was worthy of my family, our name, and their love. Shame that stopped me from truly loving and embracing my truth for fear of further disconnection. Shame that kept me up at night wondering if I was seen differently, if seen for me, would my daughter Layden have been more loved more celebrated, and I even wondered, still alive. A shame so powerful that when she died, it drove me to spend the last three years ensuring her life, legacy, and impact would not be headlined by it. But I discovered this is an unwinnable quest, seeking to disprove perceptions, thinking that somehow I could open minds and expand the bubbles of others. We must 
use our internal voices to speak compassionately and we must use our external voices to speak courageously but we have no control over the fears stories or insecurities that drive the behaviors and conversations of others tabloids internet searches and social media are not going to suddenly sacrifice sales to foster healthier and more empathetic conversations. The greatest quarterback in NFL history, Tom Brady, who is fortunately the quarterback of our New England Patriots, credits the book The Four Agreements with allowing him to stay focused and grounded despite media frenzies and attempts to find flaws, discredit his abilities, and at times, personally insult him. The book's author, Miguel Ruiz, outlines four agreements necessary to attaining personal freedom and happiness. The second of the four is, do not take it personally. He writes, whatever happens around you, don't take it personally. What others say and do and the opinions they give are according to the agreements they have in their own minds. The whole world can gossip and if you don't take it personally, you are immune. Someone can intentionally send emotional poison and if you don't take it personally, you will not eat it. Nothing other people do is because of you. It is because of themselves. My beloved spiritual companions, it is normal to try to make sense of your own bubble and the bubbles of others, but we need not assign a hierarchy or a label. Different is beautiful. Our stories are ours to own. Embrace them. No matter how messy or different it may be, it is yours and you are worthy. We know that we all have a need to belong. Rather than leading with a fear of disconnection, let's lead with the courage to create positive, empathetic, and loving connections. We are all worthy of acceptance and belonging. Shame thrives in secrecy. In order to disarm it, we need to start the difficult conversations. Beginning with the conversations we have with ourselves. Then, let's shake up the talk at the dinner table. Have the courage to make yourself large. Dance in the swampland. Be a teammate. You got this. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.